You're listening to the Side Hustle Teachers Podcast with your host, Stacey Ogden. Well, hey, and welcome back to Side Hustle Teachers. I am Stacey Ogden, your host, and today we have something a little bit different. You might have noticed that for the last year and a half, I've been doing solo episodes, so just me, no guests, but when this guest reached out, I had no choice. I had to say yes because she's amazing. She's... um you know, been a huge influence on my business. And, you know, I consider her my money mentor. So I hope you are as excited as I am to welcome Denise Duffield-Thomas to Side Hustle Teachers today. She's actually going to be with us this week and next week because there's just too much Denise goodness to put into one single episode. So if you haven't heard of Denise, she is an award-winning speaker, author, and entrepreneur. She calls herself a lazy self-made millionaire and an unbusy mother of three children. As a money mindset mentor, she helps women release their fear of money, set premium prices for their services, and take back control over their finances. And isn't that really what we all want? So I'm not going to do much of a huge introduction here because I want to get to all of Denise's advice, but we're going to talk about two main ideas here, and one feeds into the other. The first is this idea of abundance, that there is always enough that you don't have to struggle for every little scrap of money or food or clothing or whatever it is that you are searching for, that there is always enough. And, um, you know, that's something that teachers really struggle with because in schools, we don't have enough. We don't have enough paper. We don't have enough scissors to fit everyone in our class. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough really anything. So when it comes to having enough, and, and this feeling of abundance, teachers really struggle with this. And I, and I love the conversation that Denise and I have about this idea. And that feeds right into our idea of how to price our products and services. And this is another thing that teachers struggle with because we deal with the either you can really care about people or you can charge the money. And we really get into that idea of you don't have to pick either or. It can be and. So stay tuned. Let's listen to this conversation between myself and Denise. I was so excited to talk to her and I cannot wait for you to hear it. Let's dig in. So we are here with Denise and Denise, I want to say thank you so much for being on the Side Hustle Teachers podcast. It's wonderful to have you. Oh, my pleasure. We were just saying before we hit record how much I love um, doing industry-specific podcasts. And I love talking about teachers because teachers make the world go round. And we want to make sure that you're feeling abundant and happy because we're creating real change in the world with teachers. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to actually just jump right in with that first point that you made because this is something that teachers struggle with is of course feeling abundant because there's, you know, we feel like we're stretched in a million different directions. We feel like, you know, the first thing you hear when you tell people you're a teacher is either, oh, it must be fun or, um, oh, you don't make any money. (laughs) So those are the only two reactions I typically get when I tell someone I'm a teacher. So how can a, a teacher, you know, in that environment with that sort of omnipresent understanding of what teachers are and make and do, how can we start to feel abundant? Ah, 
So what's really interesting is sometimes people contact me and say, money mindset's great, but it doesn't work for my industry because my industry is has real money blocks. Um, I can't get paid more, you know, all of these things. And I was speaking to dance teachers last week, someone who works in the dance world. And they said the same thing of going, I can't make money because I have to be in it for the love of dance. And that's what teachers get told, you know, well, you're in it for the right reasons. You're in it because you love teaching. You love kids. It's almost like, well, if you love what you do, you shouldn't get paid for it. And because um, your profession is such a gendered profession, let's face it, so many women in the profession, there's a lot of that too, where a lot of the work around um, teaching and holding space and caring is seen as not valuable in our society in so many ways. And so the amazing opportunity that we have now for teachers is that they can develop side hustles, that they can create abundance for themselves so they can recapture their love of the profession until the salary catches up. So even though, and you know, I was just saying to you as well that teachers at, um, in my state here in Australia are going on strike tomorrow for better pay and better conditions. And no one I know is going, I can't believe the teachers are going on strike because everyone's like, of course, of course, why wouldn't they go on strike? But this opportunity that we have, this time that we have to be able to create more abundance, but it still has to come from that inner place of not feeling guilty about it and knowing your work because gosh, if we don't have, if we didn't have teachers, what would we do? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you really hit upon something that a lot of teachers struggle with is that we feel like our um, our caring and our understanding and our desire to help children in, you know, whatever age they are really we're told, and we just sort of believe it to be true that because we want to do that and because we love what we do, we shouldn't be compensated for it. And, you know, I'm not going to argue teacher pay because I think everybody almost everybody agrees the teacher should be paid more, but this really spills over into us building our own businesses as well, because a lot of our businesses, even if they're not education-based and a lot of them aren't, are, are helping people based, you know, I don't know many people who start a business that don't want to help people in some way. So how can we actually start to tell ourselves that, yes, we want to help people and we want to make money. And those two things don't have to be at odds with each other all the time. Exactly. And I mean, I hear this from so many industries. Um, I spoke to someone who helps people with postpartum pelvic floor yoga, you know, and so she feels really guilty because she's like, everyone should have access to this. And sometimes then you have people reflect that back to you. Well, if you really cared, it should be free. And so if teachers are feeling guilty about that because people are reflecting back, well, if you really cared, maybe you shouldn't be in the profession. Oh, the big one is do it for the kids. That's what we hear all the time. We can't pay you, but can you do it for the kids? And, oh, you're so selfless. And I mean, look at what happened in the UK with the nurses, right? Every day it was like, go out on your balcony and clap for our beautiful nurses. And it's like, that's not going to help. <laughs> That's not going to help anybody. 
So we know the reality is that if you want to earn a good income, you either have to leave the profession or you have to have three jobs on the profession, right? But you can leverage that time and expertise and not have to do something really stressful in your time off. <laughs> if you're not watching the video, it's <laughs> very big air quotes, time off. But you could do something that, that fulfills you creatively, helps people and and makes money. And I really do think it is that um, often gendered thing about uh, a lot of our skills that we're now monetizing have been, well, they're seen as invisible work mm -hmm. or seen as just, well, that's just what you do, you know, especially if you're, um, you know, if you're a mother yourself, it's almost like seen as an extension of mothering, being a teacher yes. in so many ways, right? Of nurturing. And so it's just not, it's, it's just not seen as valuable. We have to see it as valuable. There's another layer to this though, that I want to explore mm -hmm. is there's this feeling sometimes that we have to give up something if we want to change our identity as someone who makes money. And it's very personal for every single person. For some people, they think I can make money or um, be a good mother. I can make money or be a good person. I can make, make money or be ethical. I can make money or be very caring. Um, and so there's something there about our own identity sometimes that we have to um, play with. And mine is very personal. Mine is um, I can make money or I can be down to earth, mm. you know? And, and so at certain points I'll go, oh God, now I'm just not relatable anymore because, you know, now I'm this rich bitch. And I think, <laughs> but it, and so when you find your personal one, you'll find that it, it follows you. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't matter how much money you make, it will follow you. So everyone has to look at their own, their own um, one day. If you're um, grew up in the church, you might think I can, you know, be a godly woman or I can make money. I can't do both. And then of course I can be a good teacher and care about my students, or I can be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And well, the cool thing is you don't have to choose now. Yeah. I think we really have to start embracing the power of, and because it's not an either, or you don't have to choose. I've actually found, and I've said this before that over my time as an entrepreneur through my various businesses, all of, all of these successes and not so successes, I have become a better teacher and a more efficient teacher that is able, I actually, now that I have my classroom and my business and a family, I actually have more time to spend with my family. Now I have more time to rest now than I did. And I, and definitely than I think I would, if I were only teaching. So there's no, and you can absolutely be, or there's no, or there is, and don't, don't listen to what I said, boys and girls. <laughs> that's something about um having some extra money it kind of it creates a bit more peace of mind and a bit more spaciousness because sometimes it's not about how many hours we have right it's it's what's preoccupying that time mm -hmm. and when you feel the lack all the time that takes up so much energy because you're constantly thinking how am I going to pay that how am I going to pay that oh I hope my tires don't pop um, you know, oh gosh. And it's just, it's always just hanging over you. And, you know, as you said, you're busier than ever, but there's just something there of what is it that confidence of going, I know I can, I can deal with this, or I have an opportunity here to deal with this. What is it for you? That's stretching that time. 
Um, for me, my business was my excuse to start saying no at work. So for me, it was a big, um, you know, I, I was an all in teacher. I was one of those teachers that was, I decided at nine years old, I was going to be a music teacher and that just didn't change. I went to school, I became a music teacher and that's just, it's not just what I do. It's who I am. Um, and I think that's a big part of it as we attach our identity to our profession, um, especially as teachers or nurses or in these caregiving professions. Um, but when I started my business, uh, I was doing it all wrong. I was totally on the, on the road to burnout for my business, but I used that as an excuse to say, oh, I'm sorry. I can't come back and chaperone the dance tonight because I have to go work on this other thing. Or, you know, I can't stay after school and tutor this kid because I have to work on this other thing. I was able to say no to people who wanted private piano lessons because I didn't enjoy them. And I had this other thing to work on. So for me, it was like a really nice excuse to say no. It's like when I had my daughter and I didn't want to go to parties, I'd be like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I can't get a babysitter. <laughs> oh, dang. That's um, now it's the, oh, COVID. Yep, exactly. Good for introverts. <laughs> Love to, but can't. <laughs> so it kind of, yeah, it gave you, it gave you some, something else and it mm -hmm. gave you those the courage I guess to have those boundaries which must be such a big thing for the profession of I can't say no because this is who I am for those mm -hmm. of teachers who really identify with that and I, I see that in so many professions too I was speaking to people who were um, pet photographers last week and for them they're like but I love dogs so much so I would do this for free and it's like cool and you don't have to. <laughs> and it's that whole thing about when you put your oxygen mask on first, then suddenly you have bandwidth to give in other ways from your overflow. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you, you feel more abundant and you feel then intentional with your time and your energy. And that creates this abundance effect as well of, oh, ideas. But then you have the energy to implement those ideas too. Yeah. And it's really interesting that that idea of I would do it for free. I know a lot of teachers who say that as well, you know, like I would work with the kids for free, but we don't, you know, like there are teachers all over the country, all over the world, actually, as you said, that are going on strike for better pay and better benefits. So even in teaching, it is about money. Like I know if my paycheck stopped showing up in my bank account, I would stop showing up at work. And it's not because I don't love the kids, but because I have to feed my family. So even just accepting that little like toe in the door of you can love your work and expect to get paid for it, I think is a really big way to just get started. You know, it's a little tiny nugget that can open up big things. Absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to things that you love do you notice that people have a hard time setting pricing for this because i've noticed uh, in my yeah. in my groups when people start their blogs and they start to sell their services that pricing is one of those things that comes up over and over and over again and you know my advice has always been just charge something to start with and go up from pick there a number. <laughs> pick a number 
Um, this is across the board of all industries, to be honest. And I think it's tricky, especially if you've had a job or come from a profession where salaries are kind of just set. It's not like if you work really hard, you know, the Department of Education goes, wow, let's, let's pay you so much more. It just doesn't happen. But we know that often in the corporate world, women don't negotiate either, right? And so what I find is that when people then go into entrepreneurship, they're just adrift because they go, I have to put a value on. And we take it so personally, even though in our jobs, they didn't take our personal value into consideration either. They seem to just pick a number arbitrarily. And so, but we somehow then take it really personally because we think that the number we choose makes us look like we believe something about ourselves. And so it's like, oh, you think you're so great. You are putting this figure on yourself. And that's not true. We're just putting a price on the value that we can offer to someone. And we know as well that pricing is marketing. Mm -hmm. Pricing can be positioning. Pricing can be this made up construct because price is different for our customers. Sometimes people are suspicious if things are too cheap. Sometimes things um, look better if they're more expensive. It's one of those weird things that we sometimes can't get our head around that pricing is this, this made up thing. And so what I often say to people is, um, one, you have, to, you have to figure out your pricing. You can't ask other people. And this is the tricky thing when you, when you pull together entrepreneurs and people go, how much should I charge for this? <laughs> and it's just this collective money block situation where people could be in different states, countries, professions, and they still ask each other. But also it has to be personal because you're the one who has to work with your clients. You're the one who has to fulfill that service. And if it's not energetically win-win, you will feel resentful. I'm sure you've experienced it. I know I have. I have. You, you can feel it, right? Oh, yeah. You can feel it in every part of your body. And so that's why you have to just pick a number and it has to feel right for you now. The cool thing, though, when you set your own prices is that there's nobody saying, um, oh, you have to wait to your next salary evaluation on the first of whenever. Um, if you get it wrong, you can change it straight away. And that's a big learning to go, what? There's no rules. There's no like pricing police that is going to come and knock on my door and go, violation. Um, it's, <laughs> you can literally change it. And I remember in my early days, I changed it every two, three clients because I went, oh, it doesn't feel right. And, but I would send an email out to people and say, hey, my prices are going up on you know, this date, so jump in. And that's usually when people go, oh, okay, I'll jump in now, um, instead of just kind of making it all secretive and going, oh, I don't know what to price. And so it's one of those big girl pant things where you just have to go, <laughs> I can set it. And here's the kicker. There's no such thing as a critic-proof price. Mm. And that's the hardest thing because yes. we want a price that everyone agrees with, that everyone feels happy to pay, that no one's going to criticize us about. And it just doesn't exist. And unfortunately, there'll be people who will disagree with your pricing. But have you noticed, because I'm sure you've got people in your community who um, like moderate free Facebook groups and give so much value. And then they're like, hey guys, I'm just going to sell this one thing. And it's like $2. 
you know, and their whole audience turns on them and they're just like, oh, I'll never do it again. I'm so sorry. Um, so it doesn't matter how much value you're giving, how much you think, but I'm over delivering. Why aren't they happy? It, that you just cannot please everybody. And so mm. that's why it has to come from you. Otherwise you will quit. You'll feel resentful and that's not good. Yes. If there's one thing that teachers understand, it's that there's no way to make everybody happy. And no matter what you do, someone will complain. <laughs> so <laughs> we are exactly. very well so why would it versed in that. Yeah. <laughs> that's a perfect distinction for all of the teachers to hear that, right? You know, it's true at, at, in school. Why would it be any different in your business? Yep, absolutely. So the question then becomes, how does someone who has been told their entire career and sometimes into their childhood when they decided to become a teacher, how does someone who has been told forever, it seems like that they are never going to make any money, that they're never going to be given what they're worth, that their paycheck reflects that it is not what their services and their skills and their education and their, their contribution and their contribution to society is worth. How does someone like that start to just pick a number? Like, is it, do you use like a random number generator or do. do you just like throw a dart at a dartboard? Oh, I love that we're getting into the practical because I'm a Virgo. I'm all about this. <laughs> so yes. Um, so what you could do is you could just start with an arbitrary number. So if it's something that's, you know, under a hundred dollars, you could start with $10 and just go, how does that feel? Mm-hmm. And then go, how would $20 feel? And you could write it down, have a look at it. How would $30? So you might go up in 10. If you're charging in multiples of hundreds, you could start at 100 and go up. Same with, you start with a thousand and go up. And what you're looking for, it sounds very unscientific, but it actually does work. Um, you're looking for that number that goes, oh, ooh, oh, oh, uh, okay. That's the number you're looking for. But I have used random number generators, which you can just find online and say you're going, oh, is it, should I charge 59 or 79 or 89 or 99? And you're just in a tizzy about it. Pop in 50 to 100, see what comes out. It doesn't mean you have to do that number. See how you feel about that number. Mm-hmm. Write it down. How does that feel? And if you're still not sure, when you announce your prices, you can always say introductory pricing. And then it gives you that little bit of a it's not set in stone, but at least I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also muscle tested numbers. So if anyone has ever done that before, I put my fingers together like this and I'll go, um, you know, like 59, 69. Oh, okay, 69. And I'll wait till my fingers break. Again, very unscientific. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we need to believe there's something behind our random number because we think everyone else is like sitting down with spreadsheets and <laughs> Oh, yes. Okay. I'll certify that. We think that everyone else is doing it in a very official way. People have just pulled numbers out of their butts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I did, uh, my first couple of clients, I radically undercharged and I found myself sitting there resenting every minute of our time together. This was years and years and years ago before it was side hustle teachers. It was something different. Um, So it's not my teachers. I love them. Um, But they, I felt in each of our meetings that I was just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I just, it was not at my best because I was 
resentful because I actually had sat down and done the math of how much time am I going to be giving to this person and how much are they getting from me? And, and when I sat down to think about it, I, it started to feel just icky. Like I was being taken advantage of by my own pricing. So the thing I started to do after that was, and I think almost everybody has to go through bad pricing. (laughs) like one of those rites of passage. But the thing I started to do is actually to sit down and like walk through the process and imagine myself, if this was a one-on-one client, imagine myself going to the computer, turning it on, setting up the, the Zoom call and sitting there for an hour and talking to someone and taking notes and then writing up, you know, guide for that. The whole process that I would have to do and think about doing it for, you know, $10 or $50 or, you know, whatever it was. And when I got to that point where I was like, oh, okay, I feel like my time was valued and, and this was worth the time away from my family. And it was worth the time away from doing something else. Then that was sort of, that was my sweet spot. And now I get to that point where when I'm raising my prices, I get to that point where I think I'm almost about to be sick. (laughs) I'm like, okay, we're there. (laughs) That's exactly, that's the feeling. It's the nausea, but Oh, yeah. Like roller coaster nausea, like excitement. Exactly. Well, I did a similar thing to you when I started charging for speaking because I had no idea. And so I would get requests for speaking and um, they'd say, oh, what's your rate? And I'd go, what's your budget? And then they would say, oh, um, $500. And I was like, oh, what a coincidence. That's my rate because I had no idea what to charge. And so I just was, you know, going and speaking at people's events. I didn't even really sit and add up the the hard costs to that because I was thinking, oh, well, you know, I, I get nervous speaking on stage. So I always get my hair done and I get my nails done because that's just extra little confidence for me. But I wasn't factoring it into my pricing. Of course, I'm not putting it on a line item on my invoice, but it was a hard cost to me. Um, And then, you know, all of the tolls and the parking and petrol and the emotional costs of having my husband have to have the kids all weekend. And then he expecting that I was going to reciprocate when I came home and the introvert time I needed after coming home and the extra snacks that I was, you know, on the road to things like that. I hadn't really factored in. And so I remember I came out from a speaking gig one time and I felt like not just resentful in my body. I I was aching all over and I got into the taxi, which probably wasn't also covered and just was like, oh, and I I realized that when you don't charge that win-win pricing, that has got to come from somewhere. And it was coming from my life force energy. And you have to learn from that. Otherwise, and I mean, teachers are great at this. You see people who've been in the industry for a long time. They can be absolutely in that martyr energy, you know, and they can be bitter and resentful. And that's where I was heading to instead of just going, no, I have to stop this mm-hmm. because people will take from me and they'll go, oh, yeah, come and do this and come and do this. And you go, yeah, okay. And then it's just eating you up inside. And that's yes. not good. That's not good at all. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the things that, um, really spoke to me when I read Chillpreneur, which is now coming out as Chill and Prosper, is that it doesn't have to take everything from you. And, you know, uh, 
I, Denise, I, I really appreciate you being here this week. And I'm so glad that you can come back next week for a chat on another money block that I know so many teachers are having. Um, and, you know, I will definitely put a link in the show notes for chill and prosper because I will, you know, and I talked about it in the intro, this book was life-changing for not just me, but also how I put together my course that I just released. So, um, oh, I can't you. wait to talk about that. Yes, week. thank you so much for more that. about that. And, um, and can I just plug the URL week. for that, by Absolutely, the way, yeah. because I've got some, I've got some cool bonuses for oh, I love um, bonuses. the book. Yes, me too. Um, so if people go to denisedt.com slash prosper, um, you'll be able to find the links for where it is. But if you bought it somewhere else, just plug in your details. And mm-hmm. um, I've recorded all these meditations and things as, as free gifts because I know how busy we all are. And sometimes we need those little extra layers of things that we can do while we're working to kind of change our mindset as well. And um, yeah, and hopefully people enjoy the book and I can't wait to come back again and talk to you, talk to you about the next topic. Yes. Excellent. Thank you so much. So yes, you heard it here. Denise will be back next week talking more things about mindset and money and teaching and side businesses. When Denise comes back to join us next week, we're going to be talking about how to make uh, the idea of making money feel easy because we as teachers work really hard for our money and we have a difficult time and I can speak from personal experience we have a per- we have a very difficult time um, making money in a way that doesn't feel like a slog right if we're if we're not working hard for it we don't feel like we've earned it and that's one of the issues and one of the topics that Denise and I are going to touch on next week. And we're also going to touch upon her super simple marketing formula, which is literally two two steps and which I live by. Like this is, this is how I've built my entire business. I didn't know I was doing that. And every time I tried to make it more complicated than it needs to be with these two steps, um, everything falls apart. So we're going to talk about those two steps that you need to take in order to market your business, to get people um, coming to you and seeing you as an expert and buying things from you, whether that thing is at first signing up for your freebie and getting on your email list, that's that's an investment of their email address, or whether it's investing in a program like I have Teacher Blog Academy. So make sure that you tune in next week as well. Um, and I can't wait to share with you more of Denise's really chilled way of looking at business because teaching is hard enough we don't need a business that drives us nuts and makes us work really hard and burn the candle at both ends business can be chill you can as denise would say chill and prosper so be sure to check out the show notes there are links to her book there's links to everything we talked about today and i hope i will see you next week for another Uh, chat with Denise Duffield Thomas. Real quick, before we wrap up, let me remind you one more time to go join the Side Hustle Teachers community on Facebook. Inside, you'll find thousands of teachers in all stages of building and growing a business who are just waiting to connect with you. And as a community member, you also get the inside scoop and early access to all things Side Hustle Teachers. Just go to SideHustleTeachers.com forward slash Facebook or search up Side Hustle Teachers on Facebook. See you in there.